Welcome back to another episode of Wit Sonar. And if you were tuned in just a moment ago, you saw a great commercial for F3, stands for Future Freight Festival. It's going to be a good time. Tony, you looking forward to it? It's going to be arguably the best conference in freight. I mean, it, if you're not excited for it now, you better be uh -huh. because it's coming quick. And obviously, there's not a lot of accommodations in the Chattanooga area, so you better get on it. And I mean, you start looking at some of the names that are performing, some of the demo companies, some of the experiences that are going to be there. I mean, it's going to be tough to beat. I know last year was pretty fun. Uh, I think this year, I'm going to one-up it. I know none of you feel enthusiastic after how Tony just described that, but he's absolutely correct. First off, there's 13,000 hotel rooms slash Airbnbs in Chattanooga. So if you're one of those, uh, you're going to have to nap one. But anyways, absolutely correct. It's going to be a good time, uh, obviously, because uh, I'm going to be there. But more importantly, because Tony will be there. That's right. You get to hear all that, all the good things from Tony. But it'll, it's going to be fantastic. It's going to be thousands of people there. Um, you know, live performances of music. It's just different, all right? Yeah. Like, these types of conferences just hit different, all right? If you've ever been to a conference in the supply chain space before, what well, they stink. And that's not unique to supply chain conferences. That's really just business everywhere. conferences in general. Yeah. And, and I should say most of them. There are exceptions. The Dreamforce Conference tends to have a very robust uh, uh, reputation, right? They have music. They have all that stuff. So I'd say... There are others out there that do it really, really well. Mm -hmm. Phenomenal. Um, and, but I'd say like, you know, in our industry, there isn't somebody so that really goes above and beyond. And that's something that we're trying to do. So it's just fun. It's a good time. And, and let's be honest, like, why are you there? You're there to network. Yep. At the end of the day, you're there to network and maybe learn something that can help you do your role better. And this is a, this is a great place to do it because the venue, like everything stops around three or four o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. Like all like the, the conferency stuff. And then it's like, hey, let's go let's go enjoy the after after parties, right? Let's go enjoy, you know, the, there's the, and it's not just a networking time we're sitting at a cocktail hour. It's like you're networking at a live band. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's, and it goes, when you really break it down, when you start factoring in that, hey, conferencing stuff ends at three o'clock, but there's stuff playing until like 11 o'clock. That's right. That is a lot of time to network and meet people in the industry that are, mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of time to share the knowledge across the industry because that's the only way to advance, right? If you silo off knowledge, nothing changes. And, uh, and that's the well, only way. We have this show right here. The knowledge that gets dropped in this show is unrivaled. That's why you laugh. put it. Why are you laughing, Tony? That's one way to put it. There's nothing to laugh about. It's true. Right? I mean, like, there's, I mean, one more, one more because you learn. I mean, use truck prices. You want to know, you got to come right here. Speaking of used truck prices, what a segue. Uh, we're talking about used truck prices today. We're talking about uh, used truck prices. We're talking about some mergers and acquisitions. We are talking about market share. We're talking about freight rates. We got a lot to talk about. But first off, used truck prices. Um, yeah, they're they're falling. Yeah, I mean, there's no way to deny what... I mean, it was coming. Put, mean, put the startup on the screen as soon as you can. I mean, for folks to be able to say... It. It's it's going to be... I mean, it's ugly, and it should be ugly. I mean... Now, now let's say, like, okay, so, like, as soon as the truck is up the screen, right? There it is. Okay, so yellow line is used... Three-year-old used truck prices down to around $70,000 approximately, right? Yeah. 71000 Yeah, I mean, it, it cut almost in half About, in now, a year. This, Tony, who is this bad for? Who is this good for? Well, all right. It's a combination of a few things, right? It's it's good for those that want to enter the market, but you're entering the market 
at a bad time. If you're rolling off equipment, it's it's not a good thing because your gains on sale will be less because yeah. the the vehicle the the vehicle is worth less. Right. Right. So like I think that was it's interesting during the pandemic. You look at that, or not even the pandemic. I mean, this is all into last year, right? This is, a, right this before, is like 14 months here. Right before the bottom gets pulled out from the freight market, there was incentive almost for carriers, especially larger fleets. While they wanted to grow their fleet, there was also incentive for them to turn older equipment over because the prices yeah. were so high. I mean, you're talking almost $150,000 for a used three-year-old truck. Which is like what? Like the price of a brand new truck today? Yeah, yeah. Damn, maybe now, the issue was they couldn't backfill, right? Anything they rolled over, they couldn't get the orders or the equipment built fast enough to like backfill it. So it's like they couldn't necessarily really take advantage unless they reduced the size of their fleet, which you didn't really see. Right. But they didn't really grow their fleet either. Who this really hurts right now is the owner-operators that bought the equipment at those peak prices because they were trying to get in the market. And you look, when the fall really started was right as the freight market shifted, right? As the market shifted, give it two months, and then the prices follow, right? Use truck prices. And ultimately, it's a supply and demand. I'm issue. just saying, it kind of looks like tender rejections there in blue signaled this drop about a year before it happened. Yeah, it's so. I mean, yes. I mean, it's easy to say that in hindsight, but I'd say, like, in all reality, you probably would have waited six months of declining tender rejections before you made the decision, right? Like, it, like I'm looking here, like, tender rejections, it looks like peaked out in Q1 of 2021. You wouldn't have known at that point that that was the peak. Yeah, no. Right? So you would have waited probably till the end of the year to realize, oh, yeah, we're, we're, we're still continuing to accelerate downward. Yeah, the market's still tight, but it's at that point, Rejection rates, just given where they were, I mean, you're talking upwards of 20% all the way, what, through January of 2022? Right, so... And the market was tight. All that was is more of a function of rates and yeah. rate changes and the upward pressure on contract rates. And then some of that was capacity couldn't catch up, right? And it couldn't catch up. And as you started to see... This is where the used truck prices is ultimately a matter of supply and demand. Larger carriers didn't want to roll over their fleet. Why? Because look at rejection rates. Market was tight. They needed all the available equipment they had. And demand was strong. So supply is limited because the carriers that would normally be putting equipment into the market were not doing that. Demand's high because look at rejection rates. When rejection rates are that high, it's a positive for rates. People entering the market are chasing those high rates. Demand increases when carriers want to enter the market. And ultimately, it creates this spiral. If used truck or used truck prices, used equipment prices increasing. Now we've kind of seen the opposite, right? Market slows down. Carriers are now sitting on equipment that, hey, it's a little easier to get new equipment. We can roll this off and the demand's not there. And I think that's why you're seeing it's both a supply and demand dynamics on why you saw it increase and decrease. And it just, it takes, it doesn't react as fast as the actual freight market does, but it does follow it. Uh, what, a couple, I mean, you're talking yeah, a matter of a couple months. Three to six months. Yeah, so. Depending on where you are, it's about three to six months. 
So, you know, I'd say like tender rejections have probably been at their bottom for about three months. So I'd say used truck prices, assuming that was the bottom, will probably, they're either just now reaching their bottom or they'll reach their bottom in the next month or two. Yeah, I mean, it seems that way, but I mean, you look at that the pace at which it's declining, right? The slope of that line is almost accelerating in the past few months. And I think that's the- right, That's what I'm saying. You know, it's either it's either there or another couple of months. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're looking probably by the back half of the, or the end of the year leveling out, hopefully. But I mean, you're yeah, talking- like, We'll see. We'll see what happens. Numbers right here. I got the numbers right here. But overall, I mean, if you, so, right now, if you're in the market for used equipment, like give it a few months because might you made a better deal. I mean, let's say like the market bottomed right before COVID at $52,000. So yeah. it's like, are we going to go down to that? I mean, maybe we do, but it's like, it's hard to say because we're basically at 2019 highs right now. Yeah. We're at 2019 highs. We're actually slightly below 2015 highs. That's interesting. Believe it or not. So like this is like um, we're at 2019 highs and we're below 2014 to 2015 highs. We're actually below those. I don't know why, but we are. Yeah, it's interesting because I mean, ultimately it doesn't matter because yeah, look at where rejection rates are at four percent. They're still basically I mean, they're on so, the floor. They're so low that you have to turn capacity. When you turn capacity, people end up selling equipment. It floods that market. So in, until there's something that demand a demand side indicator that will firm up you the demand for used trucks, I don't think there's a whole lot that says, "Hey, these are really going to firm up anytime soon." I'm glad you brought up uh, tender rejections because they've been on the rise. Though. In fact, they recently just hit above four percent, almost the first time this year, minus you know the initial like you know week of January. But uh, they've been on the rise. Let's go ahead and pull that chart up if we can. So we're going to compare uh, tender rejections to rates here, spot rates in particular, and uh, because you know as we all know, I've made a very important projection this year uh, that spot rates are going to be above contract rates by the end of the year. So. Bold call. I mean, and I say it's a bold call. Because what rate are we talking about? If you're talking about an all-in rate versus a rate X fuel, like the, you're comparing apples and oranges. I'll let you know which one I pick at the end. Of the I mean, that's going to be a hell one you have to pick because the spread is so wide between the line. I mean, you're talking right now, a dollar fifty-seven is the NTIL, so that National Truckload Index, the line. Yeah, well, I, is that, I don't know if that's where the right one we should be using when we're talking line. I was probably using the NTI twelve. Okay, fair. What is it? Uh, it's still declining, right? I mean, we don't need to go into it. We don't need to go into it. I mean, what? Listen, listen. The thing is, here's what you need to. All right, for while Tony's getting distracted over here, all right, reading Twitter, what you need to be looking at is the blue line on the chart is tender rejections, okay? They've been going up lately. In fact, they're at nearly their high this year. Spot rates, the NCIs, that green line there along with it. Look at the chart. They tend it tends to follow tender rejections. Now it doesn't always follow immediately. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't, but it does always follow. And right now it's been a little bit flat. So really the market hasn't realized that there is the ability to push a little bit of pressure upward on rates. In fact, we don't have it on the screen in front of us, but our NTI forecast, which is forecast truckload spot rates, is going up through Labor Day. So I right. think we're gonna see this number go up. And if tender rejections continue to push higher, which they will, because intuition. Then we're going to see spot rates go even higher. You're you're going to see a reaction to Labor Day. There's 
it happens all the time. Yeah, look at, see, look 10 the, projections are higher now than they were during like 4th of July. Yeah, world. which is... And we're not even at Labor Day yet. Abnormal, right? I mean, that's normal. Yeah, it is. I think going back to your point about contract versus spot and the inflection there... It's a great call. It's a great call. To put it in perspective, the NTIL 12, so using $1.20 per gallon as the base for fuel, yeah. is at $1.75. The contract rate is at $2.32 per mile. So you're talking almost 50 cent difference. What's the problem? How, my question to you is, how do spot rates get above it's 57 cents difference? Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, see, here's what's, here's what's going to happen is as the market tightens, people raise their spot rates. 57 cents. And well, may, maybe contract rates come down. Contract line haul comes down to like 210 and spot rate line haul goes up to like, you know, 214. You are hopefully optimistic. Listen, you know, I'm, I'm an optimist, okay? I'm out here rooting for the people, okay? Yeah, I, I mean, it would be a good thing, right? And for tender participants. Listen, the thing is, tender rejections are on the rise and tender rejections don't lie. They're at 4%. Yeah, and they were Which is still deflationary like for 1,000% last week. So they're at 4%. It is deflationary, but also fuel is on the rise. It's going to push more people out of the market. Hopefully, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it, you yeah. still have to see it, right? And I was, ha I was having a conversation today and you are seeing revocation capacity leave the market. Yeah. It's just not at the rate anybody thought it would be. Everybody thought it would be a lot faster than it was. Mm -hmm. And it it just hasn't been that way. And does this increase in fuel cause that? And hint, in the Daily Watch tomorrow, tomorrow, there will be a discussion about fuel and rates and what it's done to carrier's operating ratio. And just, I mean, holding everything else equal, right? I mean, inflation is still rampant in some of these areas, right? Yeah. You're talking if an owner operator, just put it in perspective. If an owner operator was running at a 95 OR back on July 23rd, the NTI was 223. So 95 all, OR for those curious is operator ratio means their margin. Yeah. So basically a 5% so margin. Yeah. So effectively, for every dollar that they brought in, they were spending $95 to, or 95 cents to operate. Yes. So NTI one month ago was 223, right? Yeah, all in, all in spot rate. The average price of diesel was $3.92 a gallon. If you, we're going to say seven miles per gallon, av or in miles per gallon, the fuel efficiency, it's seven miles per gallon. That's a 56 cent per mile cost for fuel. At 95 OR, your total cost is about 212, right? Fast forward to today, the NTI is 224. So you've seen a one cent increase in that all-in spot rate, diesel prices on a cost per mile basis are up, what? They're at 63 cents. So you're talking a seven cent increase, seven cent increase, holding every other cost equal is a seven cent increase. So from 212 to 219, the a carrier's operator ratio would have gone from 95 to 98 just from that increase in fuel. You would have cut your margin. Your margin would have been cut in half just from fuel. I feel like you're in my case. I mean, the problem is what happens if fuel goes down? Yeah, good. I know. Go look at the NTIL that takes fuel, accounts for fuel coming out. Those rates have continued to decline, right? That is, that is my concern is I don't think fuel is going to go down. I think fuel in this instance is going to act 
Because if you were at a 98, it was going to go down. Just because the one, the spread between the wholesale and retail price is still relatively narrow on a, where they've been in the last six months, right? Cop. It's typically been at about a dollar thirty, and it's right around a dollar ten. So you have about a ten cent increase possible, or twenty cent increase possible for retail prices if rack prices hold. We'll see if that happens. They're volatile. They move. They lead that yeah. retail price. The difference is. Even if the rack price comes down, that retail price is a lot slower to come down. It goes up a lot faster, but it is a lot slower to come down than what the rack price is going to be. Carriers, in this instance, that are operating in the spot market, primarily buy retail diesel fuel, right? They're playing retail prices. Yeah. So again, that is that is the concern I think I have is that, say you were operating in a 98 OR, right? I mean... Take this a step further, 98 OR. What does that look like? If you were operating 98 a month ago, what is it now? Probably about 101, 100.5, somewhere in that range. I mean, we can look at it right here. I'll change it real quick. He's got 98. So at 98 then, it's it's similar. I mean, it doesn't change a whole lot. Uh, but still, it's, it's one of those things that say, I'm going to, again, pay attention to the Daily Watch tomorrow. If you're a sonar driver, because there will be a discussion about this, just because about this. I think it is, it could be a catalyst to push carriers out of the market, which is needed for the market to, to really recover. Okay. Well, we'll see what happens. Well, what I do want to focus on too, as well, is we've seen a big shift in a post-COVID market, right? Where I think the freight markets have changed and freight markets change, I think also with, as population patterns change, as people change where they live, where they don't live, where they order things from. We've seen nearshoring happen. We're continuing to see trade with Mexico and Canada increase. Now Mexico is our biggest, largest trading partner. Canada's number two. China's down to number three, right? And it seems like that trend's only going to continue and the gap widen further. So that changes where freight comes from, where goods are imported, where they're not imported from. I want to go ahead and show this map. Now, let me explain this map for those that aren't aware. Tony, when you think of some of the best trucking markets historically, when you just think in your mind, what comes to it's LA, Ontario. So SoCal. So Southern California, Dallas, Chicago, Harrisburg, Elizabeth, New Jersey, and Atlanta. All major, major, major market. metros. Not even just major metros, but like uh, service areas, right? Where they're mm -hmm. going to service, you know, greater populations, right? Ontario, California is a great place where they redistribute, goes through all over the country. Harrisburg, PA basically services that massive population of the Northeast. I think I read close to one third of the U.S. population lives within a 300 mile radius in New York, uh, New York Metro. So it's uh, there's a lot there. So what this map looks at is the market share change over the last year. So this isn't necessarily like the current market share. If it was current market share, you know, markets like Atlanta and Dallas and Phoenix and Ontario, L.A., Chicago, Atlanta, Harrisburg would all be like really dark blue. They'd be the biggest markets. Yeah. This map looks at the change over the last year, meaning. The markets in blue are the markets that are gaining in market share, meaning more freight is shipping out of those markets relative to other markets. Yeah. And the red markets are losing market share, meaning they're less goods are shipping out of those markets relative to other markets. That's the key. It's relative, right? So this doesn't necessarily represent absolute volume. It represents volume as a as a pie, as a percentage, right? So yeah. if the entire US market is a pie, basically the darker blue markets now have a bigger portion of the pie than they did a year ago. And did a year ago and the red markets have less and the white markets unchanged. Yeah. And I think the way to think about this is say for a market to get bigger, something else has to 
get smaller. On this map. On yes. this map, right? On this map. So think of an Atlanta, right? Volumes not down all that much on a year-over-year -year basis, but you look at this, that it's it is a lot of market share. Right. Atlanta's that red market there, kind of in the bottom right. Yeah, it's almost uh, like the only red market in about. the Southeast, just right? about. And then you look around it, I mean, you've seen growth in Greenville and, and Savannah. A lot expanding Savannah. outside of the Atlanta market. Even even look at that market there, like uh, uh, Jacksonville, Florida, right? Everybody thinks yeah. Florida is like the worst place to be. Go to the West Coast and look out there. Look at Ontario. It is losing share to Phoenix. And I think Phoenix, that's one of LA is just barely blue. Phoenix Thanks. is an interesting one. Why, why do you think Phoenix... And the other one I'm going to call out, Phoenix, I think the other major winner, Elizabeth, New Jersey, which is the top half of New Jersey, way up there in the Northeast. Why do you think those two markets are seeing such growth I relative think, to everybody else? I think Phoenix is one people are just not going to want to deal with regulations in California. Yeah. Uh, I know it's one of those things almost getting ahead of it uh, by moving. And you have to remember Southern California is almost... It's almost landlocked, right? Because there's a mountain range that basically runs there. So you've yeah. got to move things further. To me, if this continues, right, you have to remember the regulations in California, right? With CARB, there's not going to be those internal combustion engines, those diesel engines are going to be basically banned coming up within the next few years. I think it's what, 2030? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you're talking, you're taking a segment of the population. If you think, Los Angeles and Ontario are driving a lot of freight demand. But remember where a lot of carriers are based out of. I mean, you have a lot that are based in California, but you have a lot that go into California to get freight to come back to their, their home base, right? So if you're not allowed to go in with a diesel truck, you basically have to stop at the border or you're going to have to switch to a net zero emission vehicle, which the infrastructure is not built out across the country, right? Yeah, it take a while. It's not really built out in California either. So I think just getting away from the regulations and I think you're dealing with this, people are looking for alternatives, right? And cheaper alternatives. And Phoenix is Phoenix, also in a big population boom. Yeah. California's population has shrunk just a little bit. Yeah, so I think that is the reason why you see Phoenix as a market that is primed for growth and yeah. sustained growth and not just this one-off. I mean, you do see- Still a backhaul market, but not nearly no. as extreme as it once was. Yes. The other one is everybody talks about the Northeast as a backhaul market. Elizabeth, New Jersey is continuing to grow. And I think a big part of that is East Coast ports are have stolen a little bit of market share from those West Coast ports. Yep. Same West Coast ports aren't going anywhere. They're still going to be incredibly relevant. Yeah. But they're not as, they're not like the- dominant player anymore. Yeah, especially as infrastructure gets built out. I mean, look at what Savannah's trying to do and then yeah. you have Port of New York, New Jersey. You look at those two. They've gained, a, lot they've gained a lot of share. They're taking it from somewhere. Yeah, and it, and if you're trying to, to funnel goods throughout the Northeast, it's that's a great place to be, do. That's yeah. a great place to have it. But anyways, folks, we're at the end of time here on Wistoner. Hopefully you enjoyed it. We've got a lot more content coming up. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. And remember, F3 in November. Take care.